You come at the king, you best not miss. You're not locked in Stone Zone 32. 32. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Zone 32 podcast. A lot of things happened this weekend, but let me introduce the people. My name is Jake. His name is Drew. His name is Will. His name is Grant. We ain't got time to say hi to y'all, so we're just gonna get into it. And we have a thing. We're gonna we're gonna we have a tribute to some people that we're gonna uh, we're gonna raise a glass, everybody. So just uh, enjoy. And hopefully everybody listening right now has has a drink. If they're driving, hopefully it doesn't have alcohol in it. Why not? To the lost. Here we go. So I think it's time for us to have a toast. Let's have a toast for the douchebags. Let's have a toast for the assholes. Let's have a toast for the scumbags. Every one of them that I know. Let's have a toast for the jerk offs. Gotta never take work off. Maybe I got a Run away fast as you can. So that went out to some special people. Nitty Gritty 410, Theo Berry, um, any other dumbass that, you know, wants to fucking run their mouths like they know what's going on in Baltimore. Lindsay OK. Lindsay OK. Um, uh, Jason Lacanfora. Uh, I got a whole special Why lump? for that for that stupid fuck. I mean, we can get into that now or we can wait until we actually, you know, like talk um, – talk through the good news but again there's just a whole group of fucking morons that need to uh just get down on one knee and apologize for all the stupid shit they've been spewing for over a year yeah uh, well, that's and, that, and, that's static kid i don't remember what uh, his static is, but, yep static's yep. another one um now someone who does not fall into that group is on the podcast it's grant and i think grant does have some heartfelt words that he wants to share <laughs> I, already wrote, I already wrote him all i mean time, listen so. huh yeah i mean listen like EDC needs his flowers. You know, I apologize uh, for doubting that man. I mean, you know, it's he broke essential character this year and they went away from the quote unquote Ravens way. He realized something wasn't working. He's been taking a lot of accountability. He actually just mentioned today that, you know, it's primarily his fault that he didn't surround Lamar with enough weapons in his interview with Mike Florio. So, you know, he's showing a sense of accountability and he said that he had something to change and he proved and went out and changed it regardless of what I had to say or what anybody had to say. Hopefully he's listening to the show or something and he heard me and was like, you know what, maybe this guy kind of knows what he's talking about a little bit. Um, well, I know one no, person who listens to the show who can probably pass that message along. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, he he deserves his flowers, you know, it was always, you know, mostly as a troll thing, you know, the bacon, the cookies, you know, take your apron off and like make a move, you know um those types of things and and you know it is what it is and he did great he's had a wonderful off season he finally came around it all happened within a week you know and you know we will get into the draft in a little bit but you know he did his thing you know he's he landed odell he got lamar signed you know as soon as the draft's over he got rock calcin which a lot of us you know already kind of knew was gonna happen it was already on the table and you know i mean I think that he's not done. You know, I think you could see like a Leonard Floyd or a Jadavion Clowney or somebody coming in, but you know, or even a Houston, even a Houston. I mean, it's still another piece. I'm always going to been floated. I was going to say the only name that's been floated out there is Frank Clark. That won't be coming here. And I I, I would put that on. I would put that on. Yeah. He's beat up a pregnant woman. There's there's no, but you know, 
and I'm always going to keep it real. Like I'm going to keep my emotions real, whether it's a positive aspect or a negative aspect. If I don't agree with the situation or if I openly see something, I'm like, dude, this is, this is stupid. Why is this not a thing? You know, or, you know, just, you know, do it a certain way, but you know, we don't always know how the market's going to fall. It it fell right in our lap this year, whether it was a great forecasting by the front office or whatever it was, but it fell right exactly how we wanted to, including the draft and getting the ultimate flowers and Zay. Oh, so the difference between you and the individuals that Will and I named to start the podcast was that your criticism was always about EDC's job. Um, you know, like what moves he made or didn't make, why you liked or didn't like something. Um, everybody that we've named has had something critical to say about the Ravens front office or even Lamar that goes to a personal level. And I think that that's kind of the difference between someone like you who was wrong, but was, or not wrong, but you wanted something done that wasn't being done. And now you're like, all right, yeah, hand up. Like he did it. it it's cool. Whereas these other people are taking, you know, like endless personal shots talking about, I mean, again, you want to go to, you know, certain um, white hooded analysts talking about Lamar's selfish and Lamar's a child and Lamar's never going to come back to Baltimore because he's going to throw a temper tantrum and, you know, he's not going to understand that his value isn't a fully guaranteed contract. Or you get the other people who love talking, taking shots at EDC's wife. I mean, you know, again, like this is just, we have a bunch of stupid fucking people who watch the Ravens is really what it boils down to. And they want to sit here and celebrate and act like this is, you know, their victory and that they somehow like got what they wanted out of this. The reality is, is that like the writing's been on the wall all all off season that this is what was going to happen. I think I went through timeline i think it was with just with you will maybe i don't remember who i texted it to but like it, it all kind of lines up of you know lamar came to the ravens said he wanted a scheme change said he wanted wide receivers they hire Munkin, they go get odell um lamar's frustrated at the lack of moves to start free agency um and only hiring Munkin. so he does the whole public trader quest thing EDC gets Odell, and I, I'm assuming EDC came to him and said, look, we're getting DeAndre Hopkins, our first-round wide receiver for you as well. And that's eventually what pushed the deal over the edge. Um, I, I think that we're just it's, – it's hard to put into words how perfect this offseason went, um, you know, whether it's all the quarterbacks didn't sign guaranteed contracts, whether it's, you know, again, Odell – being available for such a cheap price. I mean, $15 million for a wide receiver, one for a legitimate, you know, former all pro wide receiver is fucking wild. Zay Flowers falling to 22 when he's like, I don't know, Steve Smith senior mixed with Antonio Brown, but not the mental problems of Antonio Brown. Uh, You know, somebody who's like clearly driven and wants to be loyal and wants to stay somewhere and somebody Lamar likes and somebody who wanted to be in Baltimore. So I, I just feel like everything has kind of gone the Ravens way so far this off season. And I'm I'm like I'm thrilled for the season to start, and I just want all the uh, you know all the negative fuckwads on Twitter to kind of suck a dick and go like sit this one out like this isn't for you, you know you don't get to celebrate after being miserable for an entire you know two plus years about this shit. They could, they could, they could celebrate if they would. Well, if they want to be like Grant and yeah, yeah if they want to be would like just... Grant and be smart and say, yeah. hey, I wanted this, I went a little too hard on the trolling or, you know, again, or I was just, over, I was critical that this wouldn't get done, but it got done. So now I'm allowed to be happy like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I don't like to gatekeep really, but I'll gatekeep this because it's, it's just, it's not, um, authentic. Isn't the right word. It's not, um, what's the word I'm looking for here. 
these people are all fucking frauds. I mean, it is. They're not authentic people. That's the problem is that they want to fucking sit here and shift the goalposts and they'll throw out words like gatekeeping when I know that, you know, one of these individuals cries every time somebody says, go be a fan of another team. Right. And when we were cool with that person, I found about 20 tweets of his that were telling people to go be fans of other teams when they were complaining about what the Ravens were doing. So these are the kind of people that we deal with is that they love to fucking run their mouths. They love to act like they know everything that's going on. And then when they get proven wrong or things don't, you know, line up with exactly their little narrative they want to push, they, they fucking cry and play victim. Well, this and is, you know what is... they did? You know what they did when when um, when Odell got signed and then when Lamar's contract got announced, they said bullying works like, yeah, I'm sure um, EDC and, um, you know, Steve Bishotti and. John Harbaugh are listening to the fucking nitty gritties of the world in, in how they've right, been, okay. they, they, they got something done that, that they've been working on for two fucking years, more than two years. Um, you know, like I quite literally went on Twitter and bullied Chipotle into refunding my money. That happened. They did not bully. I bullied the Ravens. being good. Yeah. They didn't bully the, the Ravens into anything. Um, they're, they're, it's, it's their spin for looking like fucking idiots and for doubling down and for making it into these fucking weird, uh, narratives and issues that didn't really exist. Now, I I mean, I'll, I'll even be accountable here that, um, you know, there were times during this process over the, you know, especially since, you know, January, February, Lamar's gone about this in a very unconventional way. I don't personally think he went about it's it the right weirdo, way which is at fine. times. Yeah, I don't no, think he so went about it the right way weirdo, at times. And, I, and you know, and, and today we found out some of the details of the contract. And, like, the contract he signed was $2 million more in fully guaranteed money, and it was $10 million more in injury guarantees than what he turned down. At so I so, think – I think that that's disingenuous, and I saw somebody uh, point this out online. He had the $25 million fifth-year yeah, option. that's true. And so I wonder if it was actually 110 at sign, 110 new money at signing yeah, yeah. and 150 in new money guaranteed for injury. Um, so then, I mean, but still, we're talking $35 million difference, which is really not that big of a deal over the course of a five-year contract. Well, and the timing's different. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Like, you can't yeah. just erase that money that was already due to him. So, I mean, it is what it is. But, it, I mean, um, you know, it was extending him six years instead of five at the time. It's the same amount of time. And it's generally almost the same contract. It's just, like, slightly adjusted for, for time, for inflation and market and market conditions. But it's basically the same deal. So, I don't know. It's just um, – I, I wish Lamar just signed the deal and he probably does too, honestly wish he signed the deal back in September because it could have saved himself a lot of trouble. And, um, you know, like I said, I, the way he, the way he's gone about it, has been, well, yeah. And, 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 you know, and hindsight's 2020, I know that. Um, and, and, you know, even when he turned that, that contract down, we weren't sweating it back then. Cause we thought, Oh yeah, you know what? Maybe he'll get one done during the bye week And then it was, maybe he'll get one done by this date. So it was just, but the, the off season so far has been overly dramatic. And a lot of that is because of Lamar. So I don't like how he went about that. I like the outcome. And like I said, hand up, he, he got, you know, a great contract out of it. I think he could have gotten, he probably could have gotten that contract back in September if he really, if he was more open to negotiating. I think they would have given him that exact same contract. I think then if he went back to them, if that was their counter offer in September, I think he would have, they would have, then they would have gone for it. But, you know, whatever, it's done. 
the, this is all behind us. We don't have to worry about these Lamar Jackson contract talks for at least another three years. Um, so I'm happy. The con- the QB situation is settled. We are going to have to settle for Tyler Huntley as a backup. I think, you know, he signed his, uh, his tender. I guess there's still the chance that we could bring in somebody like Teddy Bridgewater. I don't see it happening at this point. Um, and I think there's bigger things to focus on, but, um, you know, all in all, everybody's thrilled. I, I think everybody's thrilled. I feel like I'm uh, left out of the mix here because I don't have anything to t- hold myself accountable for. It's <laughs> it's uh, it's a curse being right all the time. I've said that. Well, before, I should also hold just... myself accountable for being really fucking smart because on March 11th, 2022, I tweeted that Lamar Jackson would not accept a contract from the Ravens until it was $52 million AAV. And he got a contract for $52 million AAV. And that was before the market earlier, was set at 51. So that was, uh, that was, I, I said that was probably the target number over a year ago. I'm fairly positive if you go back and look at any major Ravens event over the last two or three years that one of us has gotten it completely right, you know, a month or two before it's actually happened. Or a year. Yeah, or a year. But, you know, I'm saying like it's at some point beforehand, like we've been dead on. I mean, I had the Lamar extension almost to the day. Um, you know, he fucked me over and decided to do it exactly a month after his trade request instead of uh, five years after he got drafted. But it is what it is, you know, sentimental dates for him. I feel like we're just now now that we're in a good spot, I almost want the people who were miserable um, and like intentionally miserable and seeking ways to be miserable. When we start winning a ton this year, I want them to like be banned off the Internet. They're not allowed to celebrate wins. They're not allowed to, um, you know, partake in anything fun that happens like they can only be miserable all year if you've made your whole internet existence of you know bitching about the ravens like you shouldn't be allowed to be happy i feel like we should you know maybe get those rules passed on twitter um i'm really good at getting banned online so i feel like i can work with elon musk to make this uh make this happen but yeah i don't know um hey i got i got a funny story yeah i have a funny story about the draft so um i fell asleep because uh, I, I honestly thought that we were just going to trade out of the first round. So I was like, you know what? Whatever. I, I was watching the draft in bed and I didn't fall asleep on purpose. The light was still on everything. So I had my phone in my hand, everything. I woke up and I looked at the screen and we were on the clock. But I thought, but the way it was on the screen, it looked like we took um, Quentin Johnston. The way it was displayed. I don't know why, but it was also, it, I was just yeah. waking up and the Chargers had, had picked them. And I thought it said the Ravens picked them. And I was like, I'm not getting on Twitter right now because people are going to be fucking losing their shit. So I just went back to sleep. <laughs> so I went to back to sleep. I woke up in the morning thinking that we drafted Quentin Johnston and I was just preparing to go on Twitter and, and see like carnage. And I'm like, what the fuck? We took Zay Flowers? Well, I mean, what a treat to wake up to. Yeah, yeah that's that's not bad. I, I was uh, I was nice enough to not spoil it for Grant. I had somebody I knew somebody at the first round of the draft and they texted me when we went on the clock and they're like, Zay Flowers' table just went fucking ballistic. So either the Ravens traded out of 22 and somebody's taking Zay Flowers and put a hole in your television, or he's a Raven. And I'm like, all right, I'm hoping he's a Raven. And so I, you know, went with that. And then we actually drafted him. I was like, thank fucking God. Hey, Grant, this how has ha- been yeah. one of the few times. How happy were yeah, you, Grant, one of the to hear where... that uh, Zay Flowers was our, like, was the, the number one wide receiver on our board the entire time? I mean, that means that they must be watching my Twitter. That's the only thing I can, you know, logically think of. I mean, I've been Other saying than... since day one. I mean, he's the number one guy. He was the number one guy. I mean, people could say JSN was or whatever, but when you look at the full 
dynamics of a wide receiver and what they bring to the table from a playmaking standpoint, a catch point standpoint, a route standpoint, an acceleration standpoint, like everything. Like he aces it all. Like it, it's unfortunate, but also fortunate that he's five foot ten. If he was like a six one, six two guy, we'd be talking about like probably number one, number two wide receiver yeah. in the NFL in the next one to two years. He would be like, DeAndre He'd be uh, Justin Jefferson. He'd, yeah, he'd, he'd be DeAndre Jefferson. Hopkins or, yeah. or Justin Jefferson, right? But yeah, he's exactly. more dynamic with the football than them. And that's the crazy thing is I don't think people realize, like, he makes people look foolish. Like right. That's he, like a Jamar and, and, Chase you know, always, in, that, in that sense, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I always go back to Kadarius Tony. Like, we all joke about him. But when he gets the ball in his hands, he's somebody you don't want to see in open field as a defender. Like, he's going to put you on a highlight reel if you're one-on-one nine times out of ten. And that's what Zay Flowers can do. And like Drew said, you know, the comps of the the A-B comps and the Steve Smith Sr., he has that grit to him of a Steve Smith Sr. He's got that, I'm going to fight for the ball. I'm going to fight for yardage. Like, I'm going to beat you on this rep every single time. And that's the kind of mentality that we've needed to bring back to Baltimore. And we got it in a couple guys in this draft. Um, We got it in Odell in the free agency. So bringing that mentality back, I've joked about – you know, EDC just wants to bring in choir boys. Like that's been like the big joke of everything. Like it's okay to be a bully between the lines. Like nobody thinks bullies are cool. We get it. Like people look too deep into that shit in that comment, but like you have to have an aggressive mentality to want to dominate and be an alpha over the person across from you. You're playing a violent sport, you know, where you're like beating the fuck out of the guy across from you. You can't be a choir boy. We got a bunch of them too. You got to be a dickhead. Yeah. We're yeah, mo- so- they're modern day gladiators, but I think I mean Zay. Like when I heard, like literally when I heard Z come out of Goodell's mouth, I damn near flipped my drink. I almost knocked people over. Like I, I mean, the neighborhood knew I was there. Like I mean, I was on one. Like I, like I got my guy. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, the Ravens got my guy, and and I've never felt so confident about a player that has gone to the Ravens in a long time. Well, and uh, uh, just to give you a little bit more credit too, you were on three of our picks. Three of our six. Now, um, the one that we was, I think you you we really can't give hit him on credit for Voorhees. No, Voorhees. I mean, I had him at one fifty. We, we have shared we have shared credit on that because we we were all yeah. we were all pro pro Voorhees, and I I put it out there on purpose. I put it out there that all of us get credit for this before even the sixth round pick because I thought he was going to be our sixth round pick. I knew he, I, I just had a feeling we were taking him one way or another, but I put it out there before the sixth round pick that. He was the consensus zone 32 pick in, in round six. And then we ended up trading back into seven to get him, which I think is one of the best value picks you could possibly. Yeah. I mean, considering our needs in the coming up in the future to get a starter next year, he is going to start at one of the guard positions, whether Zeitler retires or is a cap casualty or whatever, or he takes over at left guard. He is going to be a starter next year, and he's going to be fucking great. Um, but Caillou Blue Kelly, you were you were one of the only people on him. Like last week, um, Spencer was on here and basically was asking you questions about him. And you know, Spencer is the 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 film guy, so um, you you deserve a lot of credit for being on him. And you've been talking about him for a month or two as a guy that we would I mean, be talking to in the mid rounds. Went to the fifth. Yeah, like yeah, I, could, yeah, I mean, I would have thought for sure he was a, like. No joke, second, third, maybe at worst, early fourth guy. Like, but to get him like where we got him in the fifth is pretty insane to me, especially in a passing league. Like you're talking about 
the most prominent positions right now are cornerbacks, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and offensive linemen. And like it's a passing league. Like you're trying to and like they talked about it before as far as drafting dynamics. I was watching something earlier and they were talking about AFC. I think it was Dan Orlovsky maybe was talking about AFC versus NFC. Like when you draft and you're taking free agents and things like that, the AFC is more of a passing league. So you're going to your cornerbacks, your receivers, you know, that those are your bread and butter. You're gonna get those guys. Your NFC is more of a run dominant, you know, conference. So you're you're going to get your offensive lineman, defensive lineman, trench guys. And that's why they kind of said, you know, maybe the Cowboys got Mozzie Smith over, you know, one of the receivers that was available or one of the corners that was there, like Joey Porter Jr. or somebody. But, you know, it, it goes a lot into what it does as far as a player goes. And when you look at Kyrie Blue Kelly, like, I mean, his intelligence is off the charts. The guy's a fucking developing a video game that's sold to Microsoft. Like, he's physically sound. He played against two big-time receivers in Jordan Addison and um, Drake London within the past two years and pretty much locked both of them up. And, you know, those are two first-round wide receivers. He battled some small injuries, but, you know, like when, like when I watched his tape, he, like, really popped to me as far as, like, fitting in McDonald's defense as a zone guy, but more importantly, a physical guy on the outside. I mean, you could get to the point, honestly, where if he catches on strong – closer towards mid to late season, you could kick Marlon back into the slot and you could have Rock and Kyle Blue Kelly as the outside guys. And then that gives you a lot of dynamic letting Marlon play free more on the inside. Yeah. Well and and yeah. another another pick um that that is gonna help I think in the pass game as much as anywhere else is the Trenton Simpson pick. Yeah. Mike I mean, Mike McDonald is fucking drooling thinking about having Brandon Stevens, Kyle Hamilton, and Trent Simpson on the field at the exact yeah, same time. Yeah, because Trenton yeah. Simpson is is like one of those guys like Kyle Hamilton who is like Isaiah, he, he's Isaiah Simmons. He's the same thing. He came from the same school. You know, he a guy that he reminds field. me of his his style reminds me of um the fuck the guy who got paralyzed for the uh, Steelers. Chazier. Yeah, Ryan Chazier. He was like. Ryan Chazier was on like the front end of this revolution with the safety linebacker hybrid. So like real peppers. Yeah, exactly. And Jabril peppers is a guy for the past two years, you and I have been like, well, you know, hoping that we, uh, we got well, him. I mean, I've, I've been begging for him since, you know, draft day for no yeah. particular reason. Yeah. But, uh... but he's a guy who, who has played box safety. He's lined up in the slot. He's played inside linebacker, outside linebacker. He gives so many, different ways to use him and it also like what people want to talk about we didn't trade queen but we may be trading queen and you know um, whatever happens with queen we have options like you can slide bowser in there with next to next to um to roquan and i think that would be just as effective as, as a middle well, linebacker i don't i don't understand like what confused me is when people were mad about the trenton simpson pick and i'm like do you not realize the type of player we just got at, towards the end of the third round? Like, so I, I never really talked about him a lot because a we didn't need him in it. We didn't need an inside linebacker in the first round. We didn't have a second round pick, and I thought no way in hell he would be in the third round. But you're talking about, I mean, he's the number one inside linebacker in the entire draft. He was he was on some big boards. He was the 38th player in the yeah, draft. And and what he does in with Mike McDonald's defense. I tried to explain a little bit on Twitter, but like the way that they use those three linebackers, he's almost essentially it's a rover. Like you're he's yeah. uh, he's more it's a it's a linebacker safety hybrid more on the linebacker side of a skill set. So like he, and he fits that because he can dynamic to us. He's played snaps at front at free safety. Like that's stupid. Yep. Like 
it, the dynamic of what he can do. And people are like, oh, man, Queen's gone. Queen's gone. That means nothing. They're like, oh, they declined his option. Every inside linebacker in his draft class got declined. That There's a lot of top-end players that got declined. There's, it's a new way to work out the contract so they're not locked into that option on that fifth year. Well, I saw a graphic. We've only um, We've only exercised that option 60% of the time. Yeah, it, it Raven, means so it's not it's not that, it's that not a given that's gonna meant, happen. That option is meant for quarterbacks and edge rushers, I would say, and maybe yes. maybe corners. Um it's guys who get ridiculous money because wide I receiver think, if you've got a really good one. Uh, even wide receiver, it's pretty close to market value for like an average wide receiver. Yeah, it's like seventeen like, uh, million. You know, it's like seventeen and a yeah. half million, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like a quarterback's twenty-eight, and Lamar just got fifty-two. So obviously, you take the fifth-year option on a quarter on a quarter or quarterback. Um, I think running backs are cheap too. I can't ten, remember the ten ten point one. I think. Yeah, so I mean, well, for the most part, like you, like it depends where on where you're drafted, right? Like they're if they were in Pro Bowls, their snap percentages. Yeah. Like it's not just like a flat like fifth-year option rate. It depends on the contribution of the player to what I was reading. Yeah, and but I think big, Queens was going to be dynamic third. between the amounts too. I think Queens would have been thirteen point six million if yeah, I read it's right. Thirteen, it's around thirteen because between him and yeah, Roquan next year, it'll, it, they would have been spending close to thirty million on inside well, linebacker. So it's just a no, like you, you can't do that. No. And it would have made him like a top six or seven paid inside linebacker too. And, and, and honestly, that. it's likely that he won't be back because he's going to be looking for the most money he can get as he should. But it's not a given that he's not back. Um, you know, if the market isn't bearing out what he wants he could sign a one or two year deal to stay on you know at a lower rate than what he was going to get on that option year so it really well, depends and and if he wants to be here i don't know if he wants to be here or not but if he's seeing success playing next to roquan he'd be stupid to leave he's now a he's, luxury I mean, piece it is and and like i think people are going to be really i mean drew's seen it a lot because he's seen mcdonald's defense at michigan he's seen like how it operates when you think of having Roquan, Trenton Simpson, and Patrick Queen on the field at the same time, like, like I think fans are going to be shocked at the athleticism they will see from the second level and what it can do to what's been killing us in our Achilles heel, running back screens and tight mm-hmm. ends. That's what I was going like, to say. We're never going to get beat. Well, I won't say never, but the teams are not going to be able to to attack us with tight ends and running backs. You've, like replaced, you've replaced Chuck Clark with – Kyle Hamilton and Trenton Simpson, essentially. Yes. yes. And huge. So Chuck Clark can't cover first shit short, you know, can't cover big tight ends, can't cover fast tight ends. And now you have two guys who can actually do that. Like it's, it's night and day. And like Grant said, with, you know, Mike McDonald's defenses work best when he has athletic freaks that are playing these, you know, hybrid linebacker, safety corner, wherever the fuck you really want to put them. And you get pressure with four guys up front. So if we get OA and a Jabo, you know, flowing in Matabike and Broderick Washington or whoever the hell else is going to, you know, kind of pop in the middle. Maybe Travis, uh, Michael Jones. Pierce, Travis Jones, like we're in great fucking shape. Yeah. Well, don't also don't, um, you know, forget that we did bring in that Dr. Rush guy, the the pass rush guru. So, yeah, you know, I was Ramey on Twitter. So I have some questions about his uh, his personality. And, you know, well, whatever it is, also, all I know is people, you know, just like we brought in Keith Williams and, and wide receivers swear by him. Um, there's, there's a lot of high, high, uh, profile pass rushers who have been coached up by him. So just bringing the fact that they're bringing guys in like that, I think is a good sign. It's like people like earlier today, Grant was saying how John Harbaugh, you know, is never accountable. 
I think complacency is something that people have gotten uh, annoyed with. And that's like keeping Roman too long, keeping Saunders too long, all that stuff. That's those are fair criticisms. But when we bring in people like Keith Williams, uh, what's his name? T uh, T Martin. And um, I don't even know the guy's actual name. Chuck Smith, Doc- I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that is, I think thinking outside the box guys who are, who have been uh, in, not, not T Martin necessarily, but w- with Keith Williams and, and, Chuck Smith, guys who were more, you know, private contractors. They weren't on a staff anywhere and bringing them into your coaching staff so they can work with your guys and taking them away from other players who have benefited from their, uh, you know, from working with them. I think that's even Todd Munkin is is an outside the box hire for Harbaugh because we've been a run first team for his entire tenure here. And we go and get this, you know, offensive coordinator who has turned Stetson Bennett, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Even Baker Mayfield into these passing machines. Yeah. And those are not guys that you think of as elite passers. So imagine what he's going to do with Lamar. Like, I, I think that I agree with a lot of the criticisms of Harbaugh of he's too loyal to his guys. And he almost, you know, people like to say he coasted off of having Hall of Fame talent in 2012, which is fair. I, I would also argue that you're not really going to win many Super Bowls without Hall of Fame caliber players on your roster. Like, that just doesn't really happen. But he did live off of 2012 for a while. He lived off of coming in in 08 when he had Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and he had Joe Flacco playing at the top of his game for, you know, in the playoffs. And he made some good playoff runs. He had Ray Rice. You know, he had um, Anquan Bolden. You know, you could say Steve There's Smith also too, something to be said, though, for, for you have a lot of guys, you know, big name guys like that coming into a situation, especially an established situation where Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs and, and Ed Reed were already here and getting that team to play as well as they did. You know, and yeah. talent is talent, but to come in with big personalities and 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 to be able to to coach them to to you know the Ravens could have won multiple Super Bowls in that in that first five years. So well, and I, I I worried with John a lot just because I, I I saw it with Jim, um, you know, in, in San Francisco that in four years he burns players up and you know guys start to hate him and everybody leaves. And I was thinking we were getting to that point with uh, John here, but it, it seems like the guys like him. And I know that that's probably tough to swallow for a lot of the anti-Harbaugh people, but, you know, he does have a Hall of Fame coaching resume. There's really no way to argue that. I mean, he's, you know, near the top of the league in playoff wins, you know, win percentage, like pretty much any metric you would judge a coach by. And now you've gotten him an offensive coordinator who's not a complete moron. And he has not really had one of those since uh, Gary Kubiak. Yeah. So I think he has evolved um, in the way he relates to players. Uh, I think he's evolved in the way that he saw that Lamar Jackson is not something I'm used to dealing with. Right. You know, Joe Joe Flacco is not Lamar Jackson. Like, you know, Joe Flacco was fine. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. He had a great playoff run, but he was never Lamar Jackson. Like he was just not that caliber of player. And now that he's got Lamar, I think he finally realized like, if I want to keep this guy and I want to keep this guy happy, I'm going to have to give him what he wants. I'm going to have to be okay with a pass first, you know, scheme. I'm going to have to be okay with some deeper wide receivers. I'm going to have to let be okay with, you know, let T Martin. That's it. I mean, yeah. we, like, I'm so fucking happy that Lamar's back and like that we don't have to worry about those stresses anymore. I mean, like we have something special with him and he's a dynamic in the league that, that we won't probably see for a long time. And I've never seen in my lifetime. As I hate the people who compare him to Vic too. Uh, I'm getting real better, tired of seeing that. I'm beyond like, better Vic that. sucked. Vic well, was and, not good. Vic would tell you that Lamar Jackson's better than him. I think he's Michael. Said it. Michael Vic has said it any, any time anybody has asked him, he said, Lamar Jackson is what I dreamed of being like, 
he knows, but the thing is, is that Madden has fucked these morons' heads up into thinking that Michael Vick was something that he was not. Michael Vick was a, a rare player for his time, but now you have somebody who runs like Vick who can actually throw the ball. I, I've always said the better comp is Randall Cunningham. Randall no, Cunningham was a much more complete. I'm saying a better yeah. comp than Vic. Randall Cunningham was a much more complete player than Michael Vick. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you can look at Steve Young too. Steve Young wasn't quite the same runner, right? But you know, still a guy who could run and throw the ball. But again, Lamar is just a better runner than both those guys, and probably a better passer than both those guys. Yeah. If you gave Lamar Jerry Rice and Bill Walsh, I feel like he would have fucking won. You know, 15 Super Bowls. I I, I like the direction we're moving into with a lot of the um. The, the later picks and some of our UDFAs are guys who can, um, you know, you're not relying on them to come in and make a day one impact, but they can, um, you know, potentially slot into starting roles. I, I can't pronounce that guy from Oregon's name, the offensive lineman that we took. And he's an interesting one. <laughs> I think we, we um, can just call him Sala. I think Sala is what yeah. he goes but Yeah. I think that's a yeah, safe. Sala La Ulu. Bobby Tross had almost yeah. like died. Uh, on on yeah, YouTube, trying to pronounce it. I watched that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was I was generally aware of him because I'd seen a bunch of clips of him just like bullying guys rushing with one arm. There's a few highlights sticking out there of you know people trying to run by him and he kind of just like grabs him by the shirt and tosses him down. What does he like profile he, as? A right tackle? A, a tackle, he's a guard. A I mean, he, he he's a t- he played tackle at Oregon, but he could definitely play guard. He's got the mobility. Yeah, I'm just is, wondering is what's the what's the I guess well, is Macar is Macari the long term plan at right tackle after Moses is gone? I don't I don't know. Like Or is is um that Manning UDFA kid that we brought in, is he our future right tackle? Um they gave him a ton of guaranteed money for UD, UDFA, so I feel like he's gotta be in their plan somewhere. Doesn't seem like Falele is is the is gonna be the answer there. Yeah, well, he I'd could like be too. Taylor Lewan yeah. come in and play right tackle. Uh, I'm not. He already said he will never play right tackle. He won't play right tackle. Uh, I'm also not interested in him because he's got the whole, you know, and again, this is maybe like the whole podcast shit. uh, I'm not interested in this social media personality. His antics this offseason, like you can fuck off. You don't care about football. Football is no longer your primary, you know, care. That's why the Titans cut him. I mean, you know, he can get it. But I'd like that. He's a Michigan guy. So it's tough for me to sit here and say, like, fuck off to a Michigan guy. But, like, that's not somebody that I'm interested in having on the Do team. Do the Raiders have a left tackle? Yeah, Colton mm-hmm. Miller. He's, um, he actually went to El Grove High, which is, what, 30 minutes north. It's about a little suburb of Sacramento. Yeah, they have a left tackle. A lot, a lot of it like, comes down to what Ben Cleveland does this year, too. You know, if the score leader yeah. can figure out the playbook. And now that it's Munkin and it's a guy whose system he's actually played in before, um, you know, maybe he can actually steal a starting job this year. Maybe he can figure out the offense. You know, he is dumb as bricks, and that's kind of what you want out of an offensive lineman is somebody who doesn't really value their own life and somebody who's just not smart enough to understand that they're, like, beating the shit out of themselves for, you know, 30 minutes a game while they're on the field. I want him Um, to be good so bad. Yeah, like, he's a – He's a just a, a talent that we have that has not shown anything. And like if he can flash this year, that would be fucking great. And if not, we have guys behind him who would take his job. That's who I, mean, I think it's possible. Yeah. I think I mean Ben Powers sucked for the first three years. I actually he wants mur- to be good. I, I, I guess yeah, yeah. I, I recall we've had episodes talking about many times why I, Ben Powers is the sun. Yeah, how many times did I yeah. stop you before transitioning being like, let's kill Ben Powers, basically? And then all of a sudden he puts up a, a you know a, a Pro Bowl caliber season, I would say. I, I do wonder, I do, I do really wonder 
how much that is a result of the fact that Ronnie Stanley was playing on his left and Tyler Lindebaum was playing on his right. Oh, a lot of it. It's definitely so, yeah. it. it gives it's, me it's, gives me great hope for Ben Cleveland this year. But that's the thing is that when you wall. Yeah. yeah. And if you have a wall, you know, between two other walls, like you're in very good shape. And Zeitler's no joke. And, you know, Morgan Moses is the weak link of your offensive line. Like you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, he's fine. He's yeah. totally fine. I think we've described him exactly that way before. He's fine. He's, you know, yeah. he's not a, a pro bowl or a, an all pro right tackle, but he's fine. He's probably going to play 17 games. Um, You know, he's not going to kill you. No, unless he tries yeah. to sack Lamar more. Yeah, he did yeah, do that twice. Try to, try to, you know, he forced a fumble one time. Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah, that was a fucking that was a wild church of games for Morgan Moses. Fucking strip try to strip sack Lamar at one point, but you know. Tuck it away. Yeah, he was just trying to show that he could play on both sides of the ball. You know, ball security. To, uh, strip, he ball, said Ricard's you know, not the only one. Yeah. Okay, oh yeah. Oh, why don't we God. talk about that? Why don't we talk about that? Oh, I Pat got Ricard. So Pat Ricard went on the radio and said that he is perfectly happy playing whatever role he's asked to play. He obviously said he en- he enjoys getting the ball but he knows he's not going to get the ball like he did or the opportunities that he did when Greg Roman was here is now with Munkin and people respond to that acting like he's complaining number one. And then talking about like, you know, it's almost like the tone is almost like Pat Ricard was like holding people at knife point to force his way onto the field. Like obviously the reason he was utilized the way he was is because of the offensive coordinator who is, you know, assigning the personnel, calling the plays and everything else. I just don't know how people hold Pat Ricard Do accountable Pat for Ricard, doing his job. Let's let's again, I am I am the biggest Pat Ricard fan on this podcast by, you know, there's none of you are local fan that I am of him. And that's fine. But by a country mile. He, do you think he wants to be running wheel routes and fucking go routes down the field? Or do you think that he wants to be fucking thing. do you think he wants to be fucking burying somebody? Yeah. Like I think he's I just, just, I think he just has fun doing whatever the fuck he's told to do. He just likes to play well, football. That's, he he is a he is the kind of guy that you want on your football team that if you tell him to go try to block two, three hundred pound guys at once, he's gonna say, Let's fucking go. And if you tell him to go line up outside and run a go route on the sideline, he's gonna say, Let's fucking go, throw me the ball. Oh well, yeah, and like his rookie year, he was playing two ways. I'd give, give him a shot, him a shot back on the D line. Yeah. Let him in five sacks and five touchdowns. Line him up as a D end. Yeah. Five sacks and five touchdowns on the title card this year. That would be that would be fucking something. Yeah. I still think he could be your short yardage guy. I know that Grant loves to bring up the one time that he got put on his ass on the fourth and one this year, but, but it's also it's play calling and everything else. You know? That was, was the one time and stoned him like he ran into a train. Because he was so used to fucking going outside and catching screen passes on corners that he wasn't used to somebody who could actually <laughs> tackle, you know. Greg Roman put him in a position to fail. No, I love Pat like, Ricard though, but he did get he got but he, got he gets he gets so days. much shit online. He got so much shit online because of Greg Roman. And oh, yeah. like it's I said, it's hundred percent because of Greg Roman. I mean, it's not again. He was doing his job. If he's on the football team and his number is called to be on the field, or his number is called to to run a route, to take a handoff, or whatever the fucking case may be, you what he's not he he he's supposed to be. Uh, no, you know why? Um, <laughs> Uh, hey, hey, Greg, hey, Greg. Kip Smithers doesn't like this. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but see, see the difference between, again, the difference between a Kip Smithers and like Nick, who we mentioned before, you know, former friend of the podcast, like Kip is doing it because he just likes being an asshole. 
Yeah. There is something about being from Massachusetts that you just like being an asshole. Sometimes. Well, and also every morning after every game, we got the idiot James uh, coming in with the fucking snap counts snap and talking counts. To, yeah. yeah, and talking about, look at, oh, Ricard was on the field 70% of the time. Yeah, we fucking ran the ball a billion times. He's going to be on the field every time we run the ball. Especially last job. year He's when our, our offensive line didn't look great run blocking to start the no. year. Yeah, well, and... we didn't have Ronnie. We didn't have Ronnie for the first few games. Yeah, and then yeah, it's, I mean, I, I don't know the 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 Twitter reaction to Pat Ricard is like people. It, are... It's again, it's how you separate people who understand football from people who just want to be mad. And for whatever reason, Pat Ricard was the you know the punching bag, the scapegoat, whatever the fuck you want to call it, for stupid shit that Greg Roman was doing, and it, it's. Uh, for I've just noticed that there are players who get shit for doing what they're told by the coach, and the coach is not using them correctly. Again, Pat Ricard should not be catching ten ball or ten targets a game, and you know running fucking like motion in the backfield, and so he's ending up one on one with a slot corner. He's a guy that you want to send up the middle to try to take out a defensive tackle or you know a linebacker in the second level. Like that's what he's right. good at. And, and and you know you can probably. You, you you know you ha- you know that he has that skill set at least so you want to sneak in a couple of uh you know little you know yeah when you misdirection do plays time. right you, you use him a couple times a year just like out of the blue because you know he can second, yeah, yeah you know he second and thirteen play every every week is a fullback screen people know it's coming right but yeah at least we know and and the coaches know if you want to throw Pat Ricard the ball he can catch it he can go so you know yeah do it a couple times a year and surprise the defense. But well, when, when, when he's a, that, a mainstay of the offense, you're, you're utilizing that player incorrectly. And Todd Munkin, yeah. that was, he said that in the first uh, press con in his introductory press conference. Remember he said, we're not going to be uh, asking a fullback to go out there and, and be a mismatch on a, on a linebacker or, or a safety. How fucking I mean, dumb that, do the people remember the, the stories that were coming out that Lamar didn't have anything to do with hiring Munkin and had no say in that. How yeah. stupid do the people pushing that feel that Lamar just signed on to play under his offense for five years? Right, right. Like, yeah, and Munkin has has no intention of going anywhere. No, he doesn't want to be a head coach anytime soon. I don't think. I think that was part of the reason why they chose him over like an Eric Bieniemy. Right, it's because Eric Bieniemy has head coaching aspirations. I don't think Munkin has those same aspirations. You know, as Grant said, he's 106 years old, so he's just looking for somewhere to, you know. That is so in my head, too, because part of the reason I'm thinking that, I'm like, man, he's like 70 years old. He'll be retiring soon. No, he's 58 years old. Every picture that they post of him, like, when the draft and everything, I laugh because I was like, man, I just kept thinking. I'm like, what kind of old joke can I boss out right here? I wish I I had the, the, like, you know, to go back in time and tell myself, don't tell Grant he's wrong here. Like, wait till you're live on the podcast and just fucking assault him with, with Todd, Munk, Todd Munkin's age. You <laughs> went fucking nuts for the hire. We hired this 90-year-old guy, and I'm like, like Whoa, what, is, what is going on here? <laughs> like, what are you seeing that I'm not? And it's just that one picture where he looks old. Oh, man. Oh. I mean, like, I swear, I was like, dude, what the fuck is this geriatric shit, man? Like, <laughs> That was fucking awesome. See, that's that's when Twitter is fun, is when somebody has, you know, again, so you had the just clearly wrong take that Tom Munkin's this 90-year-old man, and then we all laughed at it, and we moved on with our day. Nobody <laughs> got offended, nobody got their feelings hurt, we just, we fucking, we laughed at it, we made jokes out of it, and then we moved on. I still hope Todd Munkin comes on the podcast, because I just want him to oh, bully man. you for calling him old. I know, we'd have yeah. to like, we'd have to like compare AARP cards and stuff. 
Yeah. Be like, you know, he'd figure out that he's like younger than you actually. Yeah, he might be. <laughs> my my his parents lied on his birth certificate so that he could, you know, get in school earlier or something. He's actually yeah, like he's, five years old. Jack. He's Jack. Yeah. Danny Almonte. Yeah, fucking, you know, Danny Almonte, Benjamin Button. That <laughs> would be fucking awesome. All right. Well, did we miss I, anything? Before yeah, we, we go, Jay, we miss we miss. We need Jason to talk Lock about Fat White Lump, aka Grown Up Miller House, aka Jason Lock and Fora. Oh yeah, Drew. The floor is yours. Floor is so, yours. Have at it. That guy is just he. He embodies what is wrong with stupid Ravens fans. That man has spent the last two plus years killing EDC, and not just killing EDC for on-field decisions, but off-field shit as well. Um, he was the one who took shots at. Lacey and the kids, yeah, I, I believe that was 100% him. I, you know, he has made many a dumb comments about EDC. And so, after Lamar signs, he goes on a drunken Twitter rampage. Or very clear that he had been drinking. It was like 2 30 in the morning, you know, again, like somebody who has half a brain knows that he was drunk tweeting and is thumping his chest saying, you know, I was the only one pounding the table for this stuff, pounding the table for a wide receiver, pounding the table for an offensive scheme change. Pounding the table for Harbaugh to stop, um, you know, playing players in meaningless preseason games and getting them hurt. I was the one pounding the table to sweeten the pot for Lamar and sign him early. And then you can go back and look and see that he was just basically trumpeting the popular opinion, but he was aggressively going after EDC because I assume that he has some axe to grind with EDC. I don't know that, but there, there, there's got to be something there. There's got to be some reason he doesn't like EDC. And I guess that's fine. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's allowed to have his opinions. About Could people. easily take back a long way because, I mean, you know, EDC's he's been here a long time and he's been here a long time. So. Yeah, and so uh, maybe maybe there was some fucking dust up in 1996 that we don't know about you know, right. for, for whatever reason. And so after the drunk Twitter rampage, he then goes on the radio. Um, I thought it was a podcast. I, again, I don't live in Baltimore, so I don't listen to 105.7. The no, fan. he's I on the radio two to five every afternoon. Yeah, so he went on this nine-minute rant Again, basically like jerking himself off, saying that he was, you know, the, he, he's the greatest human being of all time because he bullied the Ravens into doing the right thing. And then he decided to say that media around town does not want to cross the Ravens because they want to go drink wine with Lacey or get invited on Steve Biscotti's yacht. And that was like his parting shot. And it's like, this is the perfect example of just how stupid some of these haters sound. And how stupid our fan base comes off that doesn't that sound, by the way doesn't that sound the the one the little lacy shot he took doesn't that sound like he's he's uh talking about rita so that's i i i thought that and i i don't know i don't know their relationship i know rita does what she do one show a week for um 105.7 yeah all right so i mean just inside look at radio because i'm um so odyssey is owned by or odyssey owns wei which is a boston radio station um that used to be the king of boston sports radio and over the years they have basically shed all of their talent and now they're losing you know their morning show is getting beat 25 to 2 in the ratings that's where kirk and, came from yeah that's where kirk came from but then also after kirk there was uh glenn ordway um like who was in the afternoons like they used to have a good radio lineup they they had the red Sox. they used to have the celtics like they were the the big dog in town and then 98.5 sports hub came in and has just basically wiped the floor with them constantly and so Odyssey is going bankrupt. And so my thought process here is that Jason may feel threatened by somebody like Rita because people like Rita. And I feel like she could potentially take over that two to six job. 
Um, you know, when the next ratings book drops and Jason Lockenfora isn't putting up numbers and Odyssey's about to go bankrupt, like his big salary is going to be one of the first ones to go. Oh, yeah. And he got fired from CBS for making shit up. I mean, nobody really seems to talk about that, but like he was, you know, the CBS insider for five, six, seven years. He was there for a while. And, you know, he would just get caught in lie after lie, making shit up about what this player was going to do, making shit up about this trade that was going to happen. And none of it ever happened because he doesn't know shit. And it's real telling that the only person that, you know, comes to his defense is the uh, white hooded idiot that we've mentioned a couple of times. So, <laughs> again, like when that's your only friend in the industry and she's been blackballed from the industry for, you know, five, six years at this point because she tweeted the N word a bunch of times like that's that's not who you want coming to your defense. Other words, too. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't like Asian people. She doesn't like homosexuals. Like, there's, you know, there's a long history of hatred towards um, minority groups. But it's bizarre to me that people like that freely exist on the internet. And nobody really puts them in check for so many years that they get this fucking wild ego about them that they think they're the ones who are, you know, pushing change in the Ravens. Do you think think the Ravens listen to Jason Lockenford and they're like, Oh shit! Jason said we should extend Lamar and we should sweeten the pot. So we're going to up his deal to fifty million. I bet that I bet that the coaches gather in like in Harbaugh's office every afternoon and listen to that show and fucking laugh at. Uh, I don't. I don't Jason think they listen to him says. at all. No, but I, I, I just know that he is not well liked um, in the building. And um, you blame I, him? I didn't. I didn't hear. I didn't hear the. Um, I didn't hear the audio. But somebody said that he admitted. He had a, like a falling out with Harbaugh. He had, he he said had a that screaming they were in match. A car, they were in a car coming back from that Washington preseason game that J.K. Dobbins got hurt and that they had a shouting match about playing starters in preseason games. And then they made up afterwards. And it's like, there's no shot that you made up afterwards. I'm surprised that John Harbaugh even paid attention to what he had well, to say. Well, made, made, up, made up just probably means like Harbaugh was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But like basically like yeah. you're dead to me. And he said, shut the fuck up and leave me alone, yeah, which is what they all should do. Fucking get away from me. You and he, he's, a fucking, he's a fucking worm, clearly. Like, if you're starting to take personal shots at the GM's family because you don't agree with him not bringing in a wide receiver, like, that, that's the impetus for you fucking taking shots at people's family. Like, you're a fucking clown and nobody should take you seriously. And if you look under all of his tweets, too, like, it, it's all people making fun of him for saying he was a Red Sox fan when he was a kid, or it's all Photoshop's calling him a clown. That's, that's basically he didn't say he was a Red Sox fan when he was a kid. He said that in fucking ten years ago. Yeah, uh, it's he embarrassing. Switched, for... He switched to the Orioles when the or that's the because thing. Was... You can be a Red Sox fan if you're a Red Sox fan, but when the Orioles got good in 2012, he, suddenly he turned into an Orioles fan because he wants to be liked and accepted by the Baltimore crowd, and they've already pegged him as a fraud. It is pretty much what it boils Yeah, to. he will never be accepted. Everyone hates him, and he's not going to be accepted media. nationally either because. Oh. Yeah, other media thinks he's a fucking joke. Right. No. I mean, it makes perfect sense why certain individuals support him because, again, they are viewed as a joke by the general public. Well, Nobody they, takes yeah, them can, seriously. Nobody takes Jason Lockman. Yeah, they're both fucking pariahs of their industry. Yeah, both fired for uh, for different types of uh, sucking at their fucking jobs. Ba- yeah, putting bad information out. Like I, I know Dan Shaughnessy. I wouldn't say I knew his kid much better than I knew Dan Shaughnessy, but like I've met him a bunch of times. He is a noted dickhead. Um, I'm not sure how well known he is in Baltimore, but he is like I know who he is. He's the he's negative fucking, guy. He he looks like he eats his own boogers. He's got red hair and freckles. He's the shit. one. Who, he's the one. If you watch, if you watch the greatest thirty for thirty ever made, four days in October, he is the one who called the Red Sox pack of frauds. And then Kevin Millar went to him and said, "You know, you got Pedro going tonight." 
you got um, Schilling going game six and then anything happens in game seven. So that was said directly to Dan Shaughnessy in response to him calling them a pack of frauds. But like he has lasted this long because his criticisms are contained to on the field product. And, and you know, he is an idiot um, for some of his sports takes. You can call him that, but you'll never call him unprofessional. You'll never be able to call him, you know, fucking slimy or a worm or, you know, wrong. You can call him wrong for his sports takes. But you'll never be able to call him wrong for personal things that he writes about people because he doesn't go that route. Yeah, being and incorrect like and being wrong, like, uh, you know, crossing a line, that's two different things. Yeah, and again, that's what the fucking Legion of Gloom dickwads do on Twitter, too. They go after Lacey constantly. I mean, the, uh, I can't even imagine what ends up in her Twitter mentions, and they're probably real quiet now, or they'll probably... Imagine her DM, her her uh, message requests. She probably doesn't even know that they exist. Ho I hope yeah. she doesn't, because it's probably a fucking disaster. Yeah, it's probably a fucking war zone of just, like, pissed off anonymous internet accounts who love to, you know, hate for no reason. Yeah. And at least have some, you know, intelligence behind why you hate it. Yeah. Well, and here, here's uh, just a, a little update for people. You know, most people, most most Ravens fans on Twitter know who Mo is. I brokered uh, a, a forgiveness no, no, treaty. No, 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 no. You did not broker anything. No, no, I no. made a bet. No, no, no. I'm saying bet. with I, I, I spoke with Lacey and Lacey oh, has yeah. accepted uh, Mo's apology, which Mo did completely on his own. That part that was not part of our we had no no role in that but uh Lacey has forgiven Mo and in uh I, I think Mo is very happy about it and if Mo is able to understand that you know again when he did not speak English very well that he crossed the line with things that he said yeah. I think that some of you you know alleged adults could probably look back at your old tweets at the general manager's wife harassing her and realize how fucking stupid you come up well, and just this is a great example of why it's so like misguided to direct hate at Lacey. Mo did cross the line with her in a big way. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he apologized publicly now. This is a couple of years later. And, you know, I, I talked to Lacey about it and she was like forgiven moving on. Like it's not even yeah. a, like no second thought. And like now she she'll even like respond to his tweets and say hi to him and everything. So, um, yeah, I mean. This, this is this is the person people are directing. Yeah, she, well, not even she's not even normal. I think she's like exceptionally nice. So yeah. it's just like such a misguided, idiotic thing to think it's okay to to direct any sort of frustration you have with a guy who works for a football team at his wife. It's just so stupid the, to me. The the real bottom line we should come come away from today with is that you're allowed to have opinions. You're allowed to be wrong on your opinions, but if your opinions turn out to be wrong, you should handle it like Grant. Not like Jason Lock and Fora or half of the Legion of Gloom. Right. Is really what it boils down to. And again, Grant has been, I don't know if proven right is the right word, but that, you know, he wanted certain things to be done and he thought that those things being done would set the team up for a better future. And now we're all thrilled about the future after they've done the things that he's been asking for for two years. And now, so. Okay, Grant, one more thing I need you to, to admit you were wrong about. Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is not a better GM than EDC. Oh, that was a power troll job. That was a frustrated, like, just, and then, like, when I saw y'all's reaction, I was just, like, riding it out. So then I was trying to find out scenarios to keep the argument going. And then, <laughs> like, draft night, he totally redeems himself. <laughs>
Well, I I'm mean, at Ryan this point Pulse. now, yeah, at this point, EDC has to have climbed in your GM rankings. He is. He is. He's done. He's done the damn thing, man. I, and and like I mentioned in that night is like the I mean, I was a little intoxicated, but like the way that things were going and the things that he's done this offseason and the pushback that the Ravens and Steve Bishotti have gotten, it almost makes me feel like the Bishotti was handcuffing him. And like wasn't letting him go do these things or spend this money or make these offers or add this extra draft pick. Like, like I feel like, you know, he's not completely innocent in that sense of the past, but it, you have to evolve, you have to adapt to the game. And that's been my biggest argument with the Ravens and their front office and coaching staff is they haven't adapted to the game and you can still be a run running offense. You can still draft BPA. You can still do all these things, but you have to adapt to the game. Your BPA has to be a BPA of a selection. Like you're, you're not just going to take an offensive tackle when your offensive tackle deep, or, you know, you're not going to take inside linebacker when your line inside linebacker deep, like it's got to be rational, but BPA is an option. He's evolved. He made the pushes. He got Odell. We all knew that when Odell got signed, Lamar was going to sign. Like that was inevitable. Odell wasn't going to sign without Lamar being there. It was the writing was on the wall. And like, on top of that, he goes into the draft. Everybody's like, well, he might not go wide receiver. He might go corner because he got Odell. Zay Flowers is there. Boom, he went Zay Flowers. Like, Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison were there, and he went Zay Flowers. And honestly, obviously, after they came out and said he was the number one guy, if JSN, Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnson, and Jordan Addison were all there, he was going Zay Flowers. Smart man. That man's been watching some wide receiver film or watching Twitter from a guy named Ray Ribot. But or or, like, or utilizing his his scouting network. You know, we don't know it. we don't know what they've done with the scouts. But I'm saying like it's it again. It's evolution. I think it's it, it's fair to say that I, that we've seen evolution from the front office. Sometimes you not only changes to like progress. Your your idea can be good. Your concept can be good. Your system can be good. But your system has to adapt. And if you keep being stubborn in a sense of not wanting to adapt yourself or your system, it's never going to change. And you're just going to be either mediocre or almost there, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, I think these moves he's been making are an adaption to a great structure, which is what you are making. We're making moves this year. Like we went three and 14 last year and we made the playoffs last year, which I think is a, is a great sign of where things are going is that, 10 and 7 wasn't good enough. And almost beating the Bengals with your backup quarterback wasn't good enough for this team. And they didn't settle for the first time in feels like, you know, since they drafted Lamar, I would say. I would say that they drafted Lamar and have kind of been like, yeah, ball didn't really bounce our way this year. We'll get him next year and really didn't make many major changes. And this is the first year where they were like, ball didn't bounce our way this year and we're going to fucking make sure that a bounce of the ball doesn't, you know, um, dictate how our season finishes. So, well, and I still think too. Like when, like I mean, the stuff coming out about pushing for D Hop, I still think he takes Zay even if we get D Hop, and that's so and we that had a deal. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable saying this because I got this from several very good sources. We had a deal in place for D Hop on draft day, and it was going to be 22 was going to be involved in that trade somehow, and then when JSN and Zay started falling, we basically pulled out of the deal because they clearly wanted JSN and Zay, or and clearly Zay over D Hop. Diop was almost our contingency plan that was being talked up by the public as, you know, the move to make. And I don't think anybody really saw how much they liked Zay Flowers. When it came out afterwards that, you know, they told him at the Senior Bowl that they were going to draft him if he was there at 22, that makes me think that, you know, all along that was the plan. And then 
the combine happened and, you know, all the pre-draft shit happens and people thought that Zay Flowers was going to go, you know, top 15. That didn't happen. And so he's there for you on the board. So they're thrilled with taking that guy. And they didn't have to fall on their contingency plan. That was taking an older D-hop on a bigger contract. Well, remember the article that came out about that at the senior ball practices, they were like following him like a puppy dog around every single yeah. drill. Like that's, that's saying something. And to, I, I mean, you would think a wide receiver needy team. And like I had mocked before he could have gone to the Patriots. You know what I mean? He could have gone, you know, up in the early teens. And and I mean, the skill set that he has, I mean, you just, you don't know. And the fact that he, we've gotten lucky two fucking years in a row, man, having a caliber player like Kyle Hamilton fall into 14 and somebody like Zay Flowers fall into 22 is just like, whatever they're doing, keep doing it. And it'll never come out because Bill Belichick doesn't talk to the media like this. I have to wonder if Christian Gonzalez is not on the board for his pick and Zay Flowers their move. And does that totally blow up our draft? Yeah. Like that we we got so lucky that teams for whatever reason did not take Christian Gonzalez. I don't know what his red flags were or what people were looking at that they didn't. I'm not him, big but... one. I'm not, I wasn't big on him from the jump whatsoever. I would he was my five or six ranked corner. Like I didn't get the hype. Maybe yeah, I, I, I thought that he was just, you know, he's got everything. He doesn't have that um what's the right word? Like that dickhead streak that you want in a cornerback where, you know, if he would somebody would get he was a thinking of sauce the whole time he was trying to think of that. Yeah, you were. Well, not, okay, but you know. Oh, well, the fun. name on the chain thing earlier with the. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. No, that's yeah. a, a total, total bust. But no, like so, sauce. So somebody gets a catch on him. Like he looks like he's gonna murder that guy. Like he's angry that he got beat, and mm-hmm. you can see that emotion. And Christian Gonzalez never really had that, you know, that nasty streak to him. And so maybe that's that's what it was that teams didn't like. But again, Christian Gonzalez is not on the board at seventeen. Um, after the Patriots traded back, I, I feel like they're taking safe flowers there and we're fucked. So it all, like I said, everything has just come up Ravens. You know, the Jalen Hurts contract being what it was, was a huge help to the Ravens, I, I have to imagine. You know, when the Ravens are offering Lamar more money than Jalen Hurts, and they're kind of saying to him, like, we're giving you over market value, and then a big contract comes back and your offer really is over market value, that goes a long way. In negotiations, I think my only head scratcher for the draft was Robinson. Like, I thought there was a lot better values and positions of need on the board, and he wasn't even a guy that I even had on my radar on the edge. Yeah, but again, he's just he's a big athletic guy, and I feel like that's that's you know a Mike McDonald pick. Yeah, right? that, that's a guy that I feel like Mike McDonald went you know into the draft room and like got on his knees in front of coach and said, "Please give me this guy." He's like it what just, six six like two sixty or something. Well, yeah. yeah, and so we just lost Clay. huge. Um, so we're missing a, a huge body like that, and I, I just feel like that that was a, you know, a Calais replacement type pick of you want a guy of that size maybe. And so to me, it was the, I still hope it's clowning. I mean, we've been I, I tweeted Mo earlier because Mo was freaking out. Um, you know, after we signed Rockus, and I, I think Adrian Amos is next. Um, it just you know he just followed Odell and Lamar and the Ravens on Instagram. And I have people who know him personally telling me that, you know, like he's met with the team three times and they're very much in the mix for him. And Mo's like, well, what about Clowney? And like, we've been linked to Clowney every time he's been available. So, you know, if they want him and clearly the Ravens have thrown out their cap convention of how they structure contracts. So they'll, they'll be fine throwing in void years and his cap hit will probably be near the veteran minimum. Well, we're going to find out all the numbers on Lamar in the next two days. So, yeah. And I mean, I think realistically we get Amos and Clowney to be honest with you. Oh yeah. I think so too. 
Yeah, and those are both guys that, you know, again, like fill roles that we need, but we're not signing post-draft free agents to play major roles, which is new to us, which is great. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not looking for Demarcus Robinson. Yeah, we're not signing a Demarcus Robinson to come in and be your wide receiver three. You know, we're signing a Jadavian Clowney to hopefully be your, you know, rotational pass rusher with a Javo and Owe. And he played, that's the one thing about Clowney too is – and with McDonald's defense, he would fit so perfect in McDonald's defense. And he's like a, an ultimate run defender. Like he would free up Oway to actually be a pass rusher. Because always done a always done a lot of the run contains and setting the edge. And I feel like that's taken away from his ability to um, you know, progress as a pass rusher. And if we're gonna have a big year, like I feel like Oway has to take a big step forward in the pass rush department. Absolutely. And so if you can free him up and not need him to be setting the edge every play and you can have Clowney doing the dirty work for you, that would be huge. Yeah. There you have it. DC gets his flowers at 22. Good draft. Bar got signed. Rocky Singh got signed. And then I had it first. I had it first for the record. Drew, Drew did have <clears> – <throat> Drew had that first as far as the date went. Will had it as far as the AAB went. But you know what? All that matters is it got done and then – Negative Nancy's on the Twitter can just go ahead and shut the fuck up. So there's that. But anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We'll be back to discuss this, that, and the other. But meanwhile, <clears throat> it's time for me to die. Ah! See ya! Zone, zone 32. 32.